in the synagogues, as was, and it was praised by everyone. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scripture like we're doing right now. The scroll of Isaiah, the prophet, was handed to him. He enrolled the scroll, found the place where this was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free. And at that time of the Lord's favor has come, he rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and he sat down. And all eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. Well, Jesus was letting everyone know that I have come back, and he's letting them know the Messiah that you've been waiting for is now in your presence. But I have not been anointed by men, but I've been anointed by God. And he drops that title right there, and he lets them know what his mission is, what his purpose was. And how many know today God is with us, amen? Jesus Christ, the anointed one, the Son has done everything for us, and his spirit is here to guide us and lead us. Amen? He's involved in our lives in every single way. So he is still that same person that we know so well. So last week, we talked a lot about Jesus being, number one, he was a suffering servant. Say that with me. Suffering servant. One of the greatest titles that he ever had and what he said, I've come to not be served, but I've come to serve. And how many know Jesus set the example for how we should live our lives? We are to follow Christ by serving one another, serving the house of God, making our life an act of service, right? We, we worship, we are filled up, we are encouraged so that we can live a life of service. Jesus was a suffering servant. I talked about how Isaiah, it was written 700 years earlier, Isaiah the prophet was given this prophecy, and and, and somewhere around Isaiah chapter 30, he begins, I'm 40, Isaiah 40, the prophet begins to lean into this idea of suffering servant, and if you read Isaiah 40 through Isaiah 52, you'll kind of sense that maybe he's talking about the Israelites or talking about himself. But around Isaiah 53, it becomes very evident he's talking about the one to come. Amen? It's very obvious. And I want to read these verses, and it's perfect with communion today. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 4. Surely he, and we know that he's talking about Jesus, he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Some are more familiar with the words wounded and bruised. Same thing. The punishment that was brought, the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. Amen? It's a great declaration. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So Isaiah is painting a picture of one to come that will be a suffering servant. He will be bruised. He will be wounded for us. The greatest sacrifice of all. And we made it very clear that 
on our faith journey, you and I will be very frustrated if we think that we can ever outserve God. Amen? I mean, it's impossible to outserve God. But yet sometimes we, people have a mindset that if I, if I do so, if I just keep serving and serving and serving, maybe eventually that will make me, you know, right in God's eyes. But it's only through Jesus Christ's blood that we can be made right in God's eyes. We serve out of overflow. Say that with me. I serve out of overflow. I don't want people to serve out of obligation. I don't want people to serve out of a religious mindset that if I do these things, if I serve and do these things, then God will be happy. How many know God just loves you for you? And I serve out of my love for Jesus. I serve out of overflow. And the reason why we want to serve is because we, under, we begin to understand that God has given us so much and he's poured into our lives so much and there should be an overflow. When, when I'm in a worship setting, and I know when you're in a worship serving, there comes a point during worship, literally, or I feel like it begins to overflow out. How many know when you come sometimes to church, how many sometimes are a little bit half empty? <laughs> I'm a little bit worn out. I feel like life has drained some things out of my life. I've been through, through, through things. You've been through some stuff. I come into worship, and it's kind of like, Lord, fill me up. And but somewhere during worship, how many other becomes this overflow? And you begin to have this, this pouring out. And that's where we serve. So Jesus set this example because religion is birth. Listen, religion is birth in us trying to do for God. But the gospel, the gospel is birthed by us receiving from God. Amen. How many today can say you've already received something? I mean. God's presence has already fully been with us. You know it's here already. And it's, we receive. Therefore, because we've been given so much, therefore, because we receive so much, I want to serve. Right? It gives us this, not an obligation, but this incentive to serve, to have a life of service. Because Jesus was our example. Amen. Can I, can I get an amen at 1057 at Harvest Land Church? On Sabbath Sunday. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. You know, I think, Dean, last week as you were here, the example that I used him, Jesus. One of the very very last images the disciples had of him when he was with them, one of the very last things that he taught before he went to the cross is he washed their feet. What an amazing moment. He stooped down and he washed their feet. And he made an example of himself of what it means to serve. John 13 says this. It was just before Passover, the Passover festival, that Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave the world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the very end. The evening meal was in progress, and it was being prepared and cooked and things like that. And the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. These things had already happened. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. His mission was about to end on the earth. So he got up from the meal. He took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water in a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a towel. That was wrapped around him. Suffering servant. He begins to wash their feet. 
And like I said last week, Peter, <laughs> I love Peter. Peter makes the Bible very colorful, doesn't he? He adds color. I enjoy being around people who add color to conversation. You ever been around people who just kind of make life colorful? How many know? I don't, it's not as fun being around people who just, everything is kind of dull. How many know there's some colorful people in this house? I'm thankful for it. When you worship, it's like colorful. And, and so Peter was at, because Peter right away said, no, 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 Jesus, you, you can't wash my feet. We must wash your feet. And Jesus said, if you don't allow me to wash your feet, you, cannot, you will not partake in anything I want to give you. So what does Peter say? Okay. <laughs> if that's the case, wash my head, wash my hands, wash it all. He begins to understand what is happening here of this suffering servant. When Jesus had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes, returned to the place, and he said, do you understand what I've done for you? How many know sometimes we let God do something in our life, but there has to come a season where we have to learn why he does what he does, right? What, well, do you understand what I've done here? And he asked them, he said, you call me teacher, the Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, the Lord, the teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set an example that you should do as I have done for you. So Jesus sets the example. Verily truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed. Say that with me. You will be blessed if you do them. If we have a servant's heart, if we live our life as Christians serving one another, amen, the Bible says you will be blessed. We need to follow the example. So Jesus was given this title. He is the greatest title of all is Jesus, the anointed one. That will never be stopped. He is Christ, the anointed one. But he also was a suffering servant. He's modeling who he is, a suffering servant. And there's no greater title, I believe, that we can carry than being a servant of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. We're going to go on to number two this morning. I wanted you to understand where we were last week. If you weren't here, suffering servant, that was just a quick overview. Also found in the Old Testament, and we're going to read some great scripture out of Isaiah about this. We find the title Alpha and Omega. Everyone say that with me. Alpha and Omega. This title is given to Jesus, and we find it in the Old Testament. We find it in the B.C., we also find it in the A.D., this title of Alpha and Omega. And the very same prophet that we just talked about, Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus would walk the earth, the same prophet Isaiah writes about this. We'll find this beginning here in Isaiah chapter 44, verse 6. It says in 44, 6, this is what the Lord says. Israel's king and redeemer, the Lord Almighty, I am, say it with me, I am the first, the alpha, and the last, the omega. And apart from me, there is no God. Amen. There's no God. There's one God. I am the first and the last. And throughout the Bible, you begin to see this message unfolding that he is described as the beginning and the end. He's described as the first and the last. Our God has always been, amen, and always will be. Amen. He's the one to come. Uh, he is the uncaused cause. He is everything. Yet Jesus 
puts some weight to this title given in Isaiah 44 because in Revelation chapter 21, verse 6, you remember verse 6 of Revelation 21, John is writing, right? He, he sees a glimpse into heaven, and John is getting some, some information, and, and the Bible says right before Revelation 21, verse 6, that there he says, and the one who is sitting by the Father, that would be Jesus, begins to speak to him. And this is what Jesus said. He said to me, John the writer, he said, it is done. What is that? What is done? The cross, amen? It is finished, the cross, it's done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. Jesus begins to show the writer here what was spoken in Isaiah and he stamps it by saying this title, I am the beginning and the end. I am the alpha and the omega. Uh, have you ever heard someone use the expression like this, like um, when, when you talk about people who know things, like they know everything from A to Z. If you watched Jeopardy a few weeks ago, there was this guy named James on Jeopardy. He, that guy kind of knew everything from A to Z. It seemed like it, right? And then he lost, so we know that wasn't true. But, <laughs> but people will say they know everything from A to Z. If you were speaking in Greek, what you would say is they know everything from alpha to omega. Okay? Because alpha is the beginning letter. Omega is the last letter. And so you, you sit there today. Okay, pastor, that's great. But how does this encourage me? Because we begin to realize that not only is Jesus the beginning and the end, he's everything in between. Everything in between. Meaning that Jesus has never missed a moment of your life. He's never missed a moment. He's always with you. He's always there. He's always present. He's the beginning and the end, yet he's also everything in between. Which means from your highest highs, hallelujah for the highest highs. But he's also with you through the lowest lows. He's always there. From your greatest successes, and I love to celebrate those greatest successes, but he's, always with, he's also with us from our worst failures. He's always there. Amen? David said, David said, if I make my bed in heaven, he's there. And David also said, if I make my bed in the depths of hell, he's still there. He understood that even in the best of times and the worst of times, that he's always there because he's the alpha and the omega. Remember, Jesus was set apart for a purpose. He was set apart. You and I have also been called to be set apart as Christians, amen? We've also been called because we have to understand that Jesus cares. He's the, God in his creation is bigger than anything we could ever ask or imagine, anything. But yet Jesus finds us in those small moments of life when we feel despair, we feel lonely, we feel discouraged. Aren't you thankful to know that he's always there? He's always there. He is the Alpha and the Omega. You know, it's like this. Um, and it's hard to sometimes wrap our mind around Jesus being the Alpha and the Omega. And um, Let me ask you this. Have you ever been late for something besides church? <laughs> 
But have you ever been, have you ever like missed something or walked out? Like for me, like I've been to some sporting events and like I thought the game was over and like you leave early. Have you ever done that before? And later on you find out that there was a huge comeback and you missed it. Have you ever done that? I've done that before, you know. Uh, or as you're walking to your car, you hear the roar of the crowd, and you're like, I missed something. I should have stayed. You ever done that before? You've been late for something, and, you, and someone's like, oh, you should have been here. You missed it. And you're like, what did I miss? And they're like, I can't even describe it. You, you just missed it. And you feel kind of like, man, I, I missed it. I hope that's never your spouse's birthday party. You know, <laughs> that's a bad thing. But we, we sometimes, we, maybe that helps us understand when, when you miss something and you say, I left too early. I missed it. And I think we can all identify and understand this feeling that we have moments in our life where we say, I wish I would have been there. I wish I'd been around more. I wish I would have done more. And we all have these moments, these times. And there are also times in our life that we realize that God was doing something and we say, I wish I would have been there. I wish I would have been a part of that. Amen. I wish I would have done that. And we, we, know, we understand that feeling of what it means to miss out. Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. But no matter what we've missed, how many know God is never early or late? He's always right on time. And every moment that we think we miss it, God is always with you. God will never leave you or forsake you. He is the Alpha and the Omega, amen? And we need to understand that even when we feel like we've missed out, God says, I can still fill you in on the details, amen? And maybe you say, there's people in this room, you, I've met people that get saved at a late part of their life, and they say, oh, I wish I would have known this earlier. I wish someone would have told me. I feel like I missed most of my life. But I say, make the next part of your life the greatest part of your life, Amen? Jesus said this. I love how it says this in Scripture. Psalm 36. I'm going to read it first out of the NIV, and then I'm going to read it out of the message about the Alpha and the Omega. So David writes this. Psalm 36, 5. Your love, Lord, reaches to the heavens. Sounds like a worship song. Your faithfulness to the skies. Your righteousness is like the highest mountains. Your justice is like the great deep. You, Lord, preserve both people and animals. How priceless is your unfailing love, O oh God. People take refuge in the shadow of your wings. Hmm. You're like the highest mountains. You're like the deep depths of the sea. He's saying you are everywhere and everything. And Psalm 36, written in the message, says it like this. God's love is meteoric. His loyalty is astronomic. His purpose, titanic. His verdicts, oceanic. Yet in his largeness, large, largeness, nothing gets lost. Not a man, not a mouse slips through the cracks. How exquisite. Think about that. Your love. Oh, God. How eager we are to run to your wings. How large? See, Scott is saying, no matter what we feel like in our life, when we say, God, I feel lonely, I feel like, like I don't understand these things, God's saying, I'm there with you in those smallest moments of your life because I am the Alpha and the Omega. Yet that title is big, it's huge. 
It's everything. Yeah, he finds you in your place of need. Right where you're at. And he keeps his eyes on you. Now, to the unbeliever, that might be a little scary. Amen? Or maybe to somebody maybe that, that kind of goes through the motions and you're just kind of kind of just putting on the act. How many know that's not always the best news that his eyes are always on you? Some people are like, well, I don't want God's eyes on me in the club on Friday night. <laughs> Can I get an amen? Because that ain't you. If that's not you, you better say amen. I heard two spots that there weren't amens. No, okay. But as a believer, we don't have to live underneath that fear because God says even when you, right, amen, even when you're in those places, in the valleys or in the places of despair or the places that you shouldn't be, he says, I still have my eyes on you because I have a plan and a purpose for your life. Amen. God doesn't look at us with, with anger or, or hatred. He looks at us with hope saying, I got better things for you. Jesus, the Alpha and the Omega, it means whatever he starts, he will finish. Amen? Because I want you to be confident today. I want us as believers to be confident and know what God says he started, he will finish. Amen? He will bring it into completion. Now listen, he starts what he finishes, but people, uh, please hear me. God finishes what he starts, but God has no obligation to finish what you start. Because sometimes, how I many know we start our own desires, our own things, our own projects? And if God, if it's not God's plan and we start it, we're like, God, where are you at? I started this minute. And God's like, that's not what I had for you. You missed it. The game was already going on, but you walked out and did your own thing and you missed what I was doing. See, God has no obligation to finish when it's our plan. When we think it's our ministry, when we think it's our, our, this is what I want, God. This is my dream. God says, I don't have to do that. I'm not obligated to finish what you start. But when God starts a work in your life, come on, somebody. When God starts a work, a ministry, a calling, a purpose in your life, and even though sometimes we don't follow all the plans, God says, I will finish it in your life if you trust in me. Amen. Hallelujah. So what that says to me is that we have to be in alignment with God's plans in our life that we can't miss out when God's doing a thing. Amen? And how do you know that? You know that by reading God's word and you find in God's word the plan that he has for your life. I don't want to miss out on what God wants to do. How many know God is going to do the most amazing things that we could ever ask or think or imagine in the days that we are living in? And people miss out because all they see are all the problems in the world, but I see all the possibilities that God has in the world. Amen? I'm not going to miss out on the greatest revival of all time. I've been through some revivals. Guess what? There have been revivals in church services where people are in the revival sitting there, but they miss out on what God's doing because they sit on the sidelines and they speculate and they keep score. I want to get into the thing. I want to get into the river, and I want to say, God, I don't want to miss out on what you're going to do because he is the alpha and the omega. Amen? And so his ways are higher than our ways, and he will finish what he started. And I believe God started a good work in this church, and he will finish it. God started a good work in you, and he will finish it. But we can't leave early. We can't say, well, I've had it. The game's not going the way I want it. Life isn't going the way I want it. God says, just wait till the ninth inning. I got a big finish in your life. You say, well, I'm too old to do ministry. No, you're not too old. 
The Bible's full of elderly people who did amazing things for God. Hallelujah. So if we want to not miss out, then we got to stay in the game. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. We got to trust in God even when it doesn't look like there's much to trust. And life sometimes seems difficult. And God, I don't know why this is doing this. And I don't know why they're acting like that. God said, trust me. Trust me. I am the Alpha. Because if we're living for his story, not our story, but his story, we can find confidence in that. Amen. It's his story. His story. Whatever God starts, he will finish. And you might be sitting there still thinking, Pastor, I, I love this church. I, I love the worship. And I always love hearing the word. But you say, I hear all these things, but I still feel lonely. Why does it seem like God hasn't finished what he started in my life? Maybe there's something that you prayed for in your life that it just didn't seem like it came to pass. And you say, Pastor, I don't understand. And I wish I had a really catchy phrase or like a really cute story to tell you right here of why some of these things happen. But that's why it's called a faith journey. Amen? Because what we are doing together, church, we are putting our trust in God. And, and today, and I'm very happy that you're here, and I want you to hear this, but this is not a motivational uh, uh, message. This is not um, uh, a self, self-help movement. Um, this is not why we go to church. Church is all of us coming together, amen? And, it's, it, it, and we worship together, we testify, we, we open up the word together. We also spur each other on. That's what we do. And, and we, we, we remind each other that life is not just measured in the 70, 80, or 90 plus years that we have been given. Life isn't just measured on what I obtain. Life is not just measured on how much I build or how much I build for myself. That when you think about God, the Alpha and the Omega, and you think about all time from the earliest B.C. to currently 2019-80, right now, you begin to realize in the grand, gigantic, massive, masterful story that God is telling. How many know God is telling a story? That you and I... Sad to say, our 70, 80, 90 years is really just a blip on the scope of all of history. And a lot of people live their life trying to create their story. But see, how many know God is telling another story? And we have to, we have to realize that all things work together for good for those who believe. Amen? And on our faith journey, the question isn't, will we always see the things fulfilled like we want to see fulfilled? You remember in the book of Hebrews, it actually says that there were many that were not able to see everything fulfilled in their life. They didn't see it fulfilled in their lifetime. But how many know God is the beginning and the end? And his story will have a great ending. And, and so we play a part in God's story. The, the question I want to ask you today is, are you a part of God's story or are you trying to write your own story? Because I want my life and I want your life to be a part of God's master plan, part of God's story. I want him to, to write a part of the story, Harvestland Church. There was this church. Now, this church has been around for 73 years. I mean, that's a good long time. But in the scope of history, that's just a short little blip. But how many know 
if we follow God, we are part of God's story, which is eternal. And so sometimes when we think about our life, we only see it on the scale of 70, 80, 90, or plus years. And we, we start to evaluate our success based on that. But our success is not based on just that. Our success is based on an eternal picture. That everything we do has an eternal consequence. How many know you might just find someone, you might meet someone for only once in your life. You might rub shoulders or, or meet someone once in your life, and you don't realize you might have just changed your life for the good or for the bad, hopefully for the good. And you might have changed their trajectory forever, and now they're a part of God's story. I want to ask you this morning as we close up this service, and we talk about Alpha and Omega and being set apart, listen are you living your life to be a part of God's story or are you living your life to make your own story? It doesn't matter if you hold a microphone, sing on the worship team, greet people, lead a ministry. We can all get caught up in like, wow, look what I'm doing. But how many of us should always be, look what God is doing? Amen? His story. His story. See, timing is God's responsibility. All things work together for good for those who believe. Amen? That's God's timing. God's timing is perfect. It might not be your timing. It might not be the way you wanted things to go. God's plans, you know, we all say, oh, I wanted this to happen. I wanted this person, to, this to happen to them. But how many know God's timing is his responsibility? Our responsibility is trusting. Amen? Do you trust God fully? Do you trust that even though things aren't always the way that you want them to be, that God has a greater plan? Because he's eternal. He sees the whole picture. He sees everything. He's writing a story. And someday, hallelujah, can't, can't you join me in saying someday we will all be gathered together in heaven. And I can't wait to see that whole story unfold in heaven. We're going to see those who are in the Bible stand up. We're going to see... Esther, we're going to see David, we're going to see Moses, and God's going to say they were a part of the story. And then we'll see Jesus, who is the story. And then we'll see those who, who died in crusades and those who died as martyrs and those who died like Stephen and others. We'll see people who died for Christ, and God will say they're part of my story. We'll see the missionary who nobody ever really knew about, and God will say they're a part of my story. We'll see the church that had 15 people in it, and God will say, they were a part of my story. We'll see the church that had thousands come to Christ, and then we'll see us, and I'll see you. And I can't wait till someday, and they say, and that person, they're a part of my story. Hallelujah. And that person who came to church and gave faithfully, and, and, they, and they, they loved people, they lived their life with, with, with morals and standards, and they worshiped. How many know God will say, and they're a part of my story? I don't know about you, but I can't wait to hear my name and say, and Pete Freeman, oh, he was trouble. No. <laughs> but he was a part of my story. And Kathy was a part of my story. And Ron was a part of my story. And Dave and Julie and John and, and so on. How I many know? I can't wait to hear your name when God says, and they were a part of my story. But I don't think God's going to say, and then there's this guy, he had his own story. He lived for himself or she lived for herself. But you and I have an opportunity every day to say, God, I want to live for you, amen? And I want my story to be your story. I want to serve people the way Jesus served. He set the example of serving one another. 
I'm not always wanting it for, what do I want? But God, what do you want? And I want to remember that I can trust in God because he is the alpha and the omega, and he is everything in between. Hallelujah. And his eye is on the sparrow, and his eye is on your need. The very thing this morning that you're worried about, God says, I know. And it's going to be okay. And you might never see the fulfillment in this lifetime. Don't lose heart. Because God says someday that story will be told. Those who have gone before us, how many know they have a story to be told? That story never ends. It just continues to be told. Let's stand. Let's close this together. Hallelujah. Timing is God's responsibility. I'm so thankful. God's timing is perfect. Amen. He will, he will do it just in time. Our responsibility is to trust. Trust. And I don't want to miss out. I don't want to leave the game early. I don't want to sit on the sidelines. I want to stick there to the very and say, God, I'm just I'm gonna stay with you no matter what. Because in the end, God's gonna get all the glory. The glory is his. We already know the end of the book. He wins. We know it's 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 there. But in the meantime, as we live out our life, that we can trust in God. And that you and I, I pray that you can say, God, I'm trusting in you. And even if I don't see you show up the way that I thought you would show up or the time that I thought you would sh show up. And maybe this morning you're like, I don't know if I feel God anymore. But as long as you can say, but I trust you. I trust you. And David knew that. David would write from the valleys and from the mountaintops. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes just for these moments? I want to ask you a few questions and pray over you, and then we'll be dismissed. See, because God has promised us there's more to life than living the American dream for 90 years. There's more to life. And you say, God, I'm trusting today. God, I want to trust you today that what you have prophesied and declared over my life will come to pass, but even greater than that, there's an eternity waiting for me, and I am so thankful to be a part of your story. History, Alpha Omega, beginning and all of history is God's story. And someday on the other side, we'll get the full story. You'll get the full story of why that child had to go through what they went through. You'll get the full story of why that person you prayed for went home to heaven sooner than you thought. You'll get the full story why you lost that job but God promoted you. See, someday we'll get the full story. But in the meantime, our job is to trust. Trust God. I want to be a part of God's story. If you want to be a part of God's story this morning, let's do this. Just lift your hand. Amen. I'm declaring, God, I am a part of your story. I want my life to be about you. As we lift our hands, that's what we're saying. God, my life is yours. My story is yours. I trust in you. It's not about me anymore. It's about you. What you've given me and what you've blessed me with, God, is yours. That's why we give to God. Because it's his anyways. It's all his anyway. Lord, use us. This week, God, I pray you would use us to serve, 
not only one another in the church, but outside of these four walls, God, that we would have a servant's heart, that we would love people, God, that we would have a serving heart, a, a spirit of kindness, a, a, a spirit of meekness, that it's not about what we like and what, our, what we want. And I know I said to someone this week that everybody is really good at studying the book of opinions, but <laughs> it's not always what we want. It's what God wants. If all your hands are have been lifted, I pray this. You'll say, God, I'm, I'm going to trust you. The Alpha and the Omega, you have called me to be set apart. And I want you to know that God is not shocked or surprised or scared by what you're going through. You might be shocked, you might be scared, and you might be surprised what you're going through, but you and I can cling to this title of Alpha and Omega and keep trusting until we get to eternity. God, would you interrupt our lives right now in this moment? In a few moments, we're all going to go different ways. We're going to fellowship and eat and have fun and do these things, God, and that's all great. And God, our, our witness and our journey continues as we walk out of this building. But right now, would you just interrupt this moment and speak to us? Remind us today. Would you remind us right now of our purpose? Remind us of our destiny and our calling. Remind us of those things that really matter. Church, what really matters in this room, first of all, is as brothers and sisters of Christ, we are on a journey together, amen? We need to love one another. We need to show Christ's love. But even outside of this room, we want to help people find their way on this journey. Remind us. Say this with me if you lifted your hand and I know you'd say, God, I have decided to trust you. And I can't wait to hear my name when you recall your story. I pray that my life would be an example to others of what you've done in me. Use me this week to lead somebody to Jesus or to encourage someone. In your name I pray this. Amen. All right. Now be ready. Be ready. Keep your eyes open. Look for opportunities to love people to Christ. Look for opportunities to serve. Look for opportunities to pray for somebody. I pray you have the faith to find that person this week. And you can just gently say, is there anything you'd like me to pray for you about? And if they say no, pray for them later. Okay? But you might hear a yes. Use us this week. Lord, now as we go, I pray blessing over those who are leaving, those who are traveling, those who have obligations. God, Lord, use us as a church. We're in a journey together. I thank you for all these warm, friendly faces, Lord, that I get to look at and as we learn and grow together. Lord, I pray for this fundraiser, Lord, for those who can stay, God, that you will just bless it. And as our youth are getting ready to go to camp, God, prepare their hearts even now. I thank you for this day that you have made. We rejoice and we are glad in that you are the Alpha and the Omega. And we are called to be set apart. 
for a greater purpose. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. Amen. Listen, I...